You're listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net. And thanks for joining us. Hey, man, you can apply that. You may be seated. But I can't sing that without praying, okay? So I just, I got to pray. Lord, how can we not respond to the truth of those words that you are all that we need? And we thank you that you are here with us. And Lord, we thank you that um, your word promises us always that you are near to us. So we ask that you would help us to continue to be able to see you and to hear you and to have hearts willing to respond as you speak into our lives. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, great to see all of you here this morning. There are some of you I don't recognize. I'm assuming you're our guests. So on behalf of everyone around you, welcome here. You're a welcome part of our church family. My name is Jay. I'm the lead pastor. And uh, it's a privilege to get to serve um, here and to serve with this with this community as we love this community around us in the name of, of Jesus Christ. So if you are a guest with us, we just want to encourage you in the seat back in front of you, there's a card that you can fill out. We would love to stay more connected to you. We have this thing called the weekly email update that we send out. I promise we will never spam you with anything. But if you do request it, we send you that. And that's a great way for you to stay abreast in real time of what's going on here in the life of our church. I'm about to show you some things that are going on, but this is truly in the, in the uh, full scope of things. So well, let's bring it up. So this is our homepage on our website. If you have not seen it before, our our website is gracecc.net. And in that right-hand corner, that's your friend. And we, you've had a, made a new friend this morning. It's called the events button. And we want to call your attention to that because at any given time, this is your way to stay connected to what's going on around here. And there's always a lot going on. If we could scroll down here just a little bit, um, by way of example, the East County Young Life Meeting, you know, that's embedded there in the building, in the, in, rather in the middle of all the other things going on. Um, Young Life is who we partner with for one of our short-term mission trips in the summer to Washington Family Ranch where we go and we invest into the lives of, of single moms, teen moms. I mean, it's just an amazing, amazing thing that we get to be a part of. And this is a meeting about that parent organization and as they get started again with COVID going on and what have you. Right next to it, you may not know this, but we have a community garden that's been flourishing here right out our doors out in the back here for years. And it grows more than just vegetables. It grows relationships. And that's why we do it. It's all about community. And you can see there's a ton of stuff going on for kids and what have you. So we just wanted, rather than just giving you some information about the life of the church, showing you how you can access it and really see what's going on in real time on any given week. So we hope that you'll do that every so often. And uh, we just want to encourage you that one of the best ways to find community is to be a part of the community is to roll up your sleeves and serve, participate, be involved. So we hope that you'll consider doing that. And all those things that you saw going on there are just really a snapshot of what happens around here all the time. And we're able to do these things because of your faithfulness. You were so generous with your time and with your relationships. A number of you do volunteer. A number of you do serve. And a number of you give in so many ways here. And one of those ways is through your resources. is through your, your giving um, to the mission and vision. 
And if you are new to our church family, you're surrounded by people who are incredibly generous. This is a really generous church family. But we would encourage you that especially now, if you call Grace home, if this is your church family, and you don't consistently generously give to the mission and vision, that you would join the rest of us here who do. Because especially in these months, January, February, March, things are always a little lean coming out of December and the holidays. And so if you can join us in giving to that, we would love that. And that will help catch us up because we are a little bit behind coming out of January. But uh, again, we just want to encourage you to be a part of what's going on around here. So I want to thank God for his goodness and his graciousness to us. And as I do so... um, we, we have someone who is having some breathing difficulties upstairs. And so an ambulance just came. And what you heard there was our, um, some of our medical equipment being used to be taken up there. So I just want to pray for that person as well. And then pray for our time in God's word. So please join me. Lord, uh, we thank you that you are near. And we thank you that you are here. And that you are at work among us. And I thank you for this incredibly generous church family. And I thank you that we get to seek you and serve you in this community together. And Lord, um, we pray that you will provide the resources that you want us to have so we can in turn invest those and give those away in your name um, to our neighbors and friends and those in this community around us. And Lord, we think of this person upstairs and we pray that you'll give the paramedics wisdom in treating them. We pray that you would put your hand on them, that you would um, stabilize what's going on there, that they would get the help that they need. And Lord, what a, what a vivid reminder that every breath, every day, we are literally in your hands. And so it is with gratitude that we thank you for all that you give us, the life that you give us, and the eternal life that you give us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So there's just one last thing that I would like to lead us in prayer for. And that is uh, last weekend, um, someone who um, has come here to grace for many, many years. Her name's Amy Rycliffs. Amy's been fighting a multi-year courageous battle with cancer, but she went home to be with the Lord last weekend. And so we just uh, wanted to let you know that so we can circle around Jay, her husband, and the kids and just love them and walk with them through this. And so I just would like to lead us in praying for them as well. So would you pray with me one more time? Lord, we thank you that Amy is with you. But her loss is um, deeply felt by many of us and especially by Jay and her family. And we pray that more than ever, you would be real to them. You would be tangible to them. That your presence, your comfort, um, your grace, your strength would be with them as they mourn and grieve their wife and mother. And Lord, we pray for us as a church family that we will be able to continue to circle around them and love them and walk with them through their journey. And Lord, it's a reminder to me that I know even today there are those here in the room who are mourning and grieving someone or facing into a loss of their own. And I I ask that as only you can, you would be their strength and their hope, that you would meet them and give them what they need, that you would be all the God that you promised to be. And we thank you that we can rest in these realities because they're true. You are real. Your promises are real. And your presence here is real with us. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So as I was preparing for our time in the Gospel of John again today, and again, for those of you who are guests here, welcome. Glad you're with us. We're in a study through the Gospel of John. We're now at John chapter 7. 
And uh, as I was thinking about this passage, um, I was thinking back to um, a coffee appointment that I had this last week. I have a neighbor that I see every so often. In fact, when uh, we replaced our fence a handful of years ago, he came and helped. We hired him as a contractor and he did some great work for us. So I thought, you know, I just, I'd love to just sit down and talk with this guy and just hear his story, maybe share mine. And so we finally said after a long season of, yeah, one of these days we made it happen. We had coffee this last week and it turns out he's a Jesus follower. He loves the Lord. In fact, he's an elder in his church. He's part of the leadership team there. So we had a lot of commonalities and a lot of things to talk about. And then he asked really the, 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 a question I get quite often actually, and that was, so how did you decide to become a pastor? And I said, well, Josh, how much time do you have? Do you want the long version, the medium version, or the short version? And just for the sake of time and our purposes here, um, I'll give the short version. I gave the medium version last hour, and we went too long. So we're going to go for the short version here. So the short version is that you, many of you, know my spiritual journey, and I've, I've shared it a number of times, and most recently a handful of weeks ago, that when I was a freshman in high school was when I ended up going to this Young Life camp, not knowing that I was going there to meet Jesus, but I was. And um, it was just really clear that the Lord was inviting me into relationship with Him, so I received Jesus Christ into my life, sitting under a huge Doug fir tree late at night in the middle of this camp. All that being said, when I received Jesus into my life, we shook hands and we made a deal. And I said, I will follow you if you do not make me a pastor or a missionary. But we all know God does not shake hands, right? He doesn't shake hands on that stuff. And so fast forward now many years, I, I've grown up in um, a, a church where I ended up meeting my, my best friend and my wife, Jamie. We were high school, college sweethearts. And uh, still my sweetheart for the record. And that being said, um, when I went away to school, graduating high school, went to Southern Oregon, the land of Shakespeare in Ashland, Oregon, and um, started going to school there and really wanted to own my relationship with the Lord. And so I was glad to get away to go to school because it really made me grow up in a lot of ways. And one of those ways was in my own spiritual journey, um, we at this church I went to would go every spring break to um, the Baja of Mexico. There was an orphanage we had adopted right outside of Ensenada. It was called El Cazal. And so we'd go to this orphanage and we'd give up our spring breaks in order to serve and spend time with these orphans and do projects for them. It was just, it was amazing. And it was in those years, each spring break that I went on this trip, that I felt like it was a defining moment with the Lord. He just, he just spoke really powerfully into my life. And that's why, from personal experience, I can tell you, if you get a chance, and you all have the chance at some point, to go on one of our short-term missions trips that we do, you, you got to go. Because from my own experience, every time I've gone on a trip like that, it's been less about what I can do while I'm there and more about what God is going to do in my life while I'm there. And that was true on these trips to, to El Cazal in this orphanage. And I'll never forget my senior year, I'm sitting in the old rickety school bus that we drove there from our church in Ashland. And I'm having a Bible study and we had all divided up to have Bible studies, you know, on our own. And I'm reading through the book of Nehemiah in the Old Testament, for those of you who are familiar with that. And he's facing resistance and opposition to rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem. And I remember really, really clearly hearing the voice of God. Now, for the record, I have never audibly, at least to this point in my life, heard the audible voice of God. I hope I get to, 
But this wasn't the audible voice of God. This was God speaking into my heart. And I just, I knew definitively, no, this is the spirit of God. This is God himself speaking to me. And what God said was this. I want you to be a pastor. (laughs) And I said, no. (laughs) Because many of you know from my story as well, that when I chose to follow Jesus Christ in my family, I was the only one in my family of origin at the time doing so. And I knew that my parents did not want me to become a pastor and a missionary. They had made that really, really clear. And so after further reflection, thinking upon the reality that this is the God of the universe who's talking to me, you don't tell him no, you say yes. And so I said yes. Stood up in front of all my friends before we came home from that trip, burned my ships, and said, God is calling me to be a pastor. And so I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know how it's going to work. I graduate from school in just a handful of weeks with a degree in speech communication. Don't know how that's going to ever be used as a pastor, but, you know, I'll, I'll become a pastor. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Whatever. And so that's where things were left. And I was dreading the conversation that was coming with my parents. You ever faced resistance from your family in following Jesus? Ever struggled with your faith and what do I really believe? Or even more so, do I really believe Jesus was who he said he was? If you've ever done business with any of these questions, this passage is for you. Because Jesus is going to face resistance and even opposition from his own family. And that is true for some of us as well. But I hope that as you step back from this passage today and this time that we'll have in the word today, that you'll have your faith strengthened and encouraged. And really, this will come down to doing business with who Jesus really is. What I'd like you to watch for as I read this passage to you is, who do the people say Jesus is? Watch for what they come up with. But most importantly, who do you say Jesus is? We're going to do business with all that. So we pick up the Gospel of John chapter 7, and just real quickly before we dive in here to set the vibe in the setting, John doesn't tell us this, but we know from looking at Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the other Gospels, that about six months have elapsed from the miraculous feeding of the thousands and thousands of people to what we did last week with Gary, where we see a number of people begin to leave Jesus. So at this point in the process of things, much of the crowd has left Jesus. Many disciples have abandoned Jesus. The leaders have moved from a place, the Jewish leaders have moved from a place of questioning and even resisting to now opposing him. They now have it out for his life, many of them, and now his very family is going to be resistant to him as well. So Jesus went around in Galilee He did not want to go about in Judea because the Jewish leaders there were looking for a way to kill him. But when the Jewish festival of tabernacles was near, Jesus' brothers said to him, leave Galilee and go to Judea so that your disciples may see the works you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you're doing these things, show yourself to the world. For even his own brothers did not believe in him. Therefore, Jesus told them, my time is not yet here. For you, any time will do. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify that its works are evil. You go to the festival. 
I'm not going up to this festival because my time has not yet fully come. And after he said this, he stayed in Galilee. However, after his brothers had left for the festival, he went also, not publicly, but in secret. Now at the festival, the Jewish leaders were watching for Jesus and asking, where is he? Among the crowds, there was widespread whispering about him. Someone said, he's a good man. Others replied, no, he deceives the people. But no one would say anything publicly about him for fear of the leaders. Not until halfway through the festival did Jesus go up to the temple courts and begin to teach. The Jews there were amazed and asked, how did this man get such learning without having been taught? Jesus answered, my teaching is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. Whoever chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. Whoever speaks on their own does so to gain personal glory. But he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is a man of truth. There's nothing false about him. Has not Moses given you the law? Yet not one of you keeps the law. Why are you trying to kill me? You're demon-possessed, the crowd answered. Who's trying to kill you? Jesus said to them, I did one miracle, and presumably this is the healing of the man at the pool of Bethesda in John chapter 5. I did one miracle, and you're all amazed. Yet because Moses gave you circumcision, though actually it didn't come from Moses, but from the patriarchs, you circumcise a boy on the Sabbath. Now if a boy can be circumcised on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses may not be broken, why are you angry with me for healing a man's whole body on the Sabbath? Stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. So let's begin to peel back some of the layers here. So we're told very deliberately Jesus is avoiding Judea at this point because the Jewish leaders are looking to kill him but this is very significant, and this will become even more significant when we look at next week's passage. It's the feast or the festival of tabernacles. And those of you who know your Old Testament or just know some of your Jewish history know that there were three pilgrimage feasts or festivals that people were expected to go to Jerusalem for. The first was Passover celebrated and remembered the Exodus, God's amazing deliverance of the people from Egypt. And then was Pentecost celebrated God giving the law to Moses and then ultimately to the people there on Mount Sinai. And then finally, tabernacles, also known as the festival or feast of booths. And this looked back and remembered on God's amazing provision for the people the 40 years they wandered in the desert when he miraculously over and over again gave them food, gave them water, gave them what they needed, provided for them. This festival, in fact, all of them, look forward to spiritual realities. And one of the spiritual realities that this, this festival looked at was someday the ultimate Moses, the greater Moses would come and he would provide for all the people abundantly and amazingly. And so this, as the other festivals were as well, pointed to the Messiah, the chosen one, Jesus, and when he would come. So there was this messianic expectation that came with each of these pilgrimage festivals. All this meaning, if you were Jewish and it was possible for you to travel there, you went to Jerusalem for each of these three festivals. You wouldn't miss them. And so Jesus' brothers go. And so they go and leave him behind. And John adds this commentary for us that's very, very helpful. It, you first read this and it sounds kind of sincere, but it's not. In fact, it may even be mocking. 
We don't know what the tone was behind this, but the bottom line was his brothers didn't believe in him at all. They didn't believe he was the Messiah. Which comes back to a continuation of my story. So I'm dreading this conversation with my parents, but I had it, and in particular with my dad. And I, I loved my dad, respected my dad. Um, amazing, amazing dad. A dad who I model my own, hopefully, fathering and husbanding after. But this was a hard conversation. And he said, son, I don't think you should be doing this. I don't think you should become a pastor. I don't think it's in your best interests. I don't think it's wise. I don't think you should do it. So where would I be if I would have listened to that voice? Or for you, be it family or anyone else, when it comes to your faith, to your relationship with Jesus, what voices are you listening to? Whatever voices you and I are listening to, they have to be filtered through the Word of God and what God's Word says. So are you doing that? Are you filtering? Are you testing the voices that are speaking into your life and what they're telling you to do or not do through the Word of God? Because we're told in no uncertain terms, the world hates Jesus because it hates the truth. And when it talks about the world here, is this talking about people who don't believe in Jesus, recognize Jesus for who he is? Or is this talking about the systems that have been developed by people who don't know Jesus, these broken sinful systems that are all over in our world? And the answer is yes. Yeah, it can mean either one. You see, Jesus speaks the truth and it gets him in trouble. Now, just so we're on the same page, to speak the truth in a godly way, means we speak the truth in love. In fact, in the New Testament book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 15, it says, a mark of maturity. This is how you know you're maturing in Christ, is if you will speak the truth in love. They both go together. That's what Jesus did. He spoke the truth in love. And he was hated for it. What happens sometimes when you and I speak the truth? Sometimes it, it's received. But there are times when it's not, right? I mean, what happens when you stand up and stand for truth, speak for truth now? I mean, sometimes you're called a bigot, a racist, a fascist. And the cardinal sin, the, the apex of sins in our culture, intolerant, right? And that's, no, does anyone want to be labeled that? I, I don't, do you? No. But it's so fundamentally important that we not compromise on the truth and that we speak the truth, but that we do it in love. It matters how, it matters how we do it. It certainly does. But, but we need to. Because we have to remember that this world is not a neutral place. You know, we all didn't start out in the same place. We all don't start, we all do start in the same place. You know, none of us is on God's team. In fact, we all start out as enemies of God. God's not our enemy, we're his. Because of our propensity to take our truth, as Gary helped us so clearly understand last week, and elevate it above his truth. We hear that all the time in our culture, do we not? Well, that's your truth. This is my truth. What about God's truth? Doesn't matter. This is about my truth. And what's so ironic is this is a historic problem. 
we go all the way back to the beginning of humanity, to the book of Genesis, what functionally did Adam and Eve do when they chose to disobey God? Well, this is our truth, not yours. We're not doing that. We're doing what we think is best, right? And so, therefore, with humility, we speak the truth in love because at one point I was an enemy of God because of how I lived my life. Because I basically functionally said, yeah, I don't need you. You can get lost. I can control my life and make my own decisions. That's my truth. I don't need yours. But because God is gracious, instead of giving me what I deserve, he gives me what I don't deserve, and he gives me his undeserved love, that if I will receive and respond to it by receiving him into my life as my Lord and Savior, I'm no longer his enemy. I'm his friend. I'm family. I'm a son of God, or you're a daughter of God. And that's pretty awesome. But the Jewish leadership doesn't see it. In fact, they're looking for him with the expressed purpose of trying to arrest and ultimately kill him. And one of the amazing things about the Gospel of John is it's this beautiful profile of what it means to believe. I mean, that's what it's about, literally. If we jump to the end of John chapter 20, do you remember what it says there? This was written so that you might believe. If you're struggling to understand what does it mean to believe, what does belief look like? Read the Gospel of John. That's, that's the whole purpose of the book. But it not only describes belief, it also helps us understand unbelief. Because there is a progression of unbelief happening, happening and we can see it playing right out in front of us in these passages in the Gospel of John as well. People, especially the religious leaders, many of them go from questioning him to being skeptical about him to doubting him to resisting him to opposing him to the point that they're going to kill him. And it's really important that we understand there's a difference between doubt and unbelief. Doubt is, I'm struggling to believe. I need more information to believe. I need more time. I'm trying to figure this out. Unbelief isn't about an absence of those things. Unbelief is about the presence of something. Doubting is, I'm struggling to believe. I'm not sure I can believe. Unbelief is, I will not believe. You can't persuade me. You can't convince me. I'm not going to do it. I'm not buying it. I do not believe this. That, my friends, is the voice of unbelief. Once again, what voices are you listening to in your life? What voices am I listening to in mine? And there are some stories that we very much want you to hear. Because everybody here has a story, including you, including me. And this is a Jesus transformation story that I think captures so many of the elements that we're already talking about here in this passage. So I'm going to ask Maxine Lawrence to come on up. Many of you recognize our Maxine. She's our Maxine. She's part of our church family. Yeah. And we love her. Sometimes you'll see Maxine up here with our worship team. Sometimes she's leading our worship team. But most importantly... She's Maxine. She's wonderful. And she's, she's willing to share her story with us. I'd like you to listen to her Jesus story. Thank you, Pastor Jay. You're welcome. And I think you're good to go. John 6, 37 says, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will in no wise cast out. The first time I heard about Christ and was given an invitation to receive him was at the age of nine. This truly was good news. 
that God loved me and would come and live in my heart. And that day I asked Jesus to forgive me for my sins and to come into my life, and he came. Throughout my childhood and young adulthood, that seed of faith blossomed greatly encouraging those around me. However, at age 28, I allowed a family tragedy to turn my life upside down. Hmm. And instead of running to God, I ran from him, leaving the joy and the peace I had once known. I felt so afraid, lost and alone, and for several years, I was indeed a fish out of water. But around age 32, two family members had the courage to tell me that I was going the wrong direction. My heart was truly convicted. And in brokenness, I fell on my knees on a wooden floor and I said to God, you are right and I am wrong. I tried to write the rules instead of believing your word. I prayed, please forgive me, I repent. I do believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. I do believe that he paid for them with his own blood. Father, I do believe that you raised Jesus from the dead and I believe that he is real, he is alive. And I promise you, God, that I will never let anyone or anything turn my heart from following you in Jesus' name. And though I have had trials, tests, and some failures, I remember 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Holy Spirit has enabled me to trust Jesus Christ and to remain faithful to him. I have been restored, experiencing abundant joy, love, and peace. And some of the lessons that I've learned is this. I need the word of God every day. I need the spiritual disciplines of prayer, and I need the church, Christ's body. And there is a picture of me in 2017 being baptized in Jerusalem, Israel, in the Jordan River. And there it is. Yeah. That's so fantastic. Thank you so much, Maxine. We love you. Thank you. I love that story and a story of hope and life change and how cool to be baptized in the Jordan River. That's pretty cool. Okay, so we can't do the Jordan River today, but we can do baptisms today and we are. We have two folks who have already said they want to get baptized and we're going to be doing that at the end of our time here today. And I'm just going to put out there that we would love for you to get baptized as well. Um, we've had a number of folks through the years who came to church not realizing it was the day they were going to get baptized and they chose to get baptized. So, we have plenty of water for you. We have clothes for you to wear because you probably didn't come prepared. We got you covered. We got clothes. We got a towel. And we would love to baptize you. You think about it, okay? But let's continue back on with our story. So Jesus now goes to the festival and he goes halfway through. And we're not 
really sure why he chose to go at that point to the festival. But could it be kind of a dynamic that plays itself out in the services every Sunday? When is everybody here? I mean, everybody. And I'm not looking at anybody, okay? No names. Names have been changed to protect the innocent. I'm looking at the ceiling. This isn't about anybody here, right? But when is everybody here? Halfway through the service. I mean, that's, right? Those of you who get here early have been here and gone, okay, we're having a small group Bible study. And then another 200 people come in and hey, we're all here. Maybe that was true with the festival. We're not sure. But they're amazed at him. And please understand, when they ask this question, how did he get such learning? They're not saying, holy cow, he can read and write. Most Jewish males were literate and could read and write. What they're saying here is, what seminary did he go to? What grad school did he graduate from? Did he pass Gary's theology class? <laughs> That's the, the, the heart of this. But Jesus points them back to the Father. And again, this is another example of him speaking with authority. Other rabbis would say, well, the Torah says, or the, 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 the law of the elders, the oral tradition says. Jesus always said, the Father says, or I say. And so this begs the question, who is this guy? Remember we talked about watching for that when I read that passage to you? A lot of people, even today, fall into this camp. Jesus is a good man. Yeah, he is. In fact, every more major world religion has Jesus in it. That's not true of any other world religious figure. Jesus is in every world religion. Everybody wants him. Everybody's a fan. I mean, Gandhi himself, probably the most prominent, well-known Hindu, said, I like your Christ. And he went on to say in a separate quote, he is the greatest teacher who's ever lived. That's quite an endorsement. One religious leader to another. But when Gandhi said that, was he elevating and promoting Jesus? Or was he demoting him? When other people say that, is that really all Jesus was? Was a good man? Another religious leader? Just another great teacher? A prophet? An avatar? The divine example? Didn't Jesus claim to be more than that? And the answer is yes. He absolutely did. Well, this is also out there. We saw this in the passage. There are those who say, well, Jesus was a great deceiver. He was a liar. You'll hear this a lot, I think, in, in higher education, academic circles, deconstructionist circles, where, you know what? First century people in the ancient Near East, they were gullible. They'd believe anything. They'd see something they didn't understand. They didn't have science standing behind them. They'd go, wow, it must be a miracle. Or, wow, boy, that, that must be the Messiah. And so... That's kind of where some of that comes from is, well, surely he had to be a liar or he was demon-possessed. And again, in the context of the passage we just looked at, here you have all these tabernacle, festival of tabernacle pilgrims who have come to Jerusalem. Many of them are visiting the city. Assumably, a number of them don't know that the Jewish leadership is looking to arrest and ultimately kill Jesus. And so he's probably talking to at least a portion of the crowd who have no idea what's going on with the controversy around him. And so they say, why are you trying to kill yourself? Why are you saying we're going to kill you? You're paranoid. You're, you're out of your mind. You're crazy. So maybe he must be demon-possessed then. And we'll cheat a little bit and go into next week's passage. Then there are a number, as we'll see next week, who say, no, he really is who he says he is. He is the Christ. So let's cut to the chase here. Believing in Jesus means recognizing and responding to his true identity. Because this is where it becomes personal. 
The most important question in your life and mine is not, are you going to be married or single? Have kids, no kids? Have a career? Where are you going to go to school? Are you going to become a great influencer someday? You know, what do people think about you? Those, those are questions. But what is the most important question you will ever answer in your life? Who is Jesus? So, who is he to you? Who, who is he to me? Do you realize that he claims that he has come from the Father? And this is why, in part, he's not just another prophet. He's not an avatar. He's not necessarily a, a great teacher, although he is, but he's so much more than that. He doesn't say, I, I can show you the way to God. He says, I am God. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So can you accept that? Oh yeah, I believe that. Really? Then how do you live your life? Do you live your life in view of that reality of who Jesus is? I mean, few of us would say it this way, but, but let's take this for a test drive for just a second. How often do we treat Jesus like he's the divine genie? Where, you know, he's there to meet all of our needs and give us everything we ask for, and when he doesn't, then he's a bad God, and we're, we're angry with him, and we're frustrated with him. Do you ever treat Jesus like that? Or he's the divine life coach. You know, he says, this is what it means to trust and obey him. And, you know, that's, yeah, I, I don't really like that. No. No. And so, we treat his commands as suggestions. Optional things that we do, whether we, whether we like it or not. Or he's the divine vending machine. If we approach him with enough faith, then we're going to get what we want out of him. And again, when he doesn't deliver, then it's, then it's a, a God problem. And I know I'm over-exaggerating to make the point, but do we really believe this? And if we do, do we live like it? Do I live like it? I mean, how often do I default to those, those broken ways of remembering who he is and how I live? And if that's not enough for you, this is such a great verse. I love this verse. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. That is an amazing statement and an amazing promise. That's amazing. Test the word of God by trusting the word of God. Got a phone call earlier this week from um, a, a, a guy I've never met before. He doesn't come to grace. We'll say his name was Mike. And Mike said, you know, I just, I wanted to call and talk to a pastor. And every so often we get these phone calls. And I happened to be the one who was available to take it. And I did. And we started talking. And he said, okay, so, you know, I, I love Jesus. I follow Jesus. But I'm an open-minded Christian. I said, oh, me too. But what does that mean to you? And so we began to talk about what that meant to him. And it meant that this was not the word of God. But this was um, a, a way to God possibly, and that there was a whole body of, of academic literature out there that, you know, went into what the Hebrew in the Old Testament actually meant, and, um, you know, we, how can we be sure, and, you know, we talked a lot about that, and I said, you know, Mike, I'm not sure you do believe. I, I hope you do, but I'm not sure you do, but this is what I can tell you, and I read him this verse, because it was very much on my mind with us talking about it this weekend, and I said, I want to pray this for you. You really want to know that Jesus is who he said he is? Then with integrity, with honesty, ask him. Ask him to show himself to you. 
Ask him to reveal himself through your word because this is a promise that he will. So will you? And he said, I'll think about it. I said, okay, why well, as you think about it, if you ever want to talk, you call and I'll be happy to listen and we'll talk again. But this is an amazing statement from Jesus. Test the word of God by trusting the word of God. You want to experience the blessings of God? You got to trust him. You, you got to believe him. And then at the very end of the, his exchange with them, remember, and we don't have time to get completely into it, but there's controversy about him healing on the Sabbath, and that probably was referencing when he healed the man at the pool who had been a, a paraplegic for 38 years, and Jesus miraculously heals him at the pool of Bethesda, but it's, but it's on the Sabbath, and he's rightfully pointing out that, you know, you guys, you don't keep the whole law, so you should be reluctant to judge others as a result. You know, you, you don't understand... The, the Sabbath. And they had elevated rules over relationships in their legalism. Now, I know many of you, and I, I from the blessing of being here for many years, I kind of know the flavor of our community here. And, uh, and again, I'm not thinking of anyone in particular. I'm honest. You got to trust me with this. But we don't have a lot of legalists here. We don't tend to go that direction. The extreme that I think we can default to is this idea that God is love. Well, wait a minute. You don't think God is love? Oh, I absolutely think God is love. And I think God's word declares definitively he is a God of love. But what does that mean? Because the extreme that that gets taken to is because God's a God of love, I can basically do however I want and he'll be okay with it. So when he gives me a command that I don't like, I can choose not to live it or respond to it or obey it. And because God is a God of love, then that's, that's okay. Do we hear this in our broken culture very often? All the time. God is love, so everything's okay. It doesn't matter what you do or don't do. He's okay with it because God is love, which functionally means you have a license to live however you want. And the irony is God's love is not a license to live how you and I want because God will not share us with sin. And I'm so glad he won't. He will not share you or me with anything that will take advantage of us, abuse us, rob us of our true identity because he's loving. God's love is the escape from sin, not the license to live in it. So let's wrap this up. If we fast forward in history, what happens with Jesus' brothers? How do things play out there? Because the picture we got of them today is they are not buying it. They're not believing at all. But history tells us, and the Bible tells us, that at least two of them chose eventually to believe in him. James, the New Testament book of James, many scholars believe, and I think they're right, there's some dispute, but many believe that the brother of Jesus, James, wrote the book of James. And he was the James who was the head of the Jerusalem church at the Jerusalem council in Acts chapter 15. And many scholars also believe that another one of Jesus' brothers wrote one of the New Testament books. Do you know what Jude is short for? Judas. And that that New Testament book was also written by one of Jesus' brothers. We don't know about the rest, but we know at least two of them chose to believe which comes back to my family, his family and now mine. 
there was a progression that happened in the life of my parents and my relationship with them. When I first chose to follow Jesus, I think they thought, Dad, I mean, he had a dis- really interesting religious experience and he'll grow out of it. But I didn't. And so I think things progressed too. Now he's come home and told us that he wants to be a pastor. Okay, well, okay, we'll, 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 we'll see where this goes. And it began to move from resistance to hesitancy. And then as the years went by and they saw that I loved being a pastor and I loved telling people about Jesus and helping people grow in Jesus and I loved Jesus myself and I loved growing and knowing Jesus better myself, then it began to move to, um, okay, some respect, some acceptance of that. And then I got to preach my first sermon. And guess who was in the front row because they were proud of me? My parents. My parents are in the front row. And it was a horrible sermon, but they were there. (laughs) And I was glad. And then as I got more opportunity to preach as the years went on, they were always there. And many of you, this is before your time here, and, and many of you may not know this, but they were here for a number of years. Whenever there was an Easter whenever there was a Christmas, until their health could no longer allow it because they lived on the west side of town, they were here and they were among you. And you, for those of you who are here, were part of their spiritual journey. And you share in what I'm about to tell you. Because in the last week of my dad's life, the last day he was lucid, with my Jamie, he affirmed that Jesus had always been in his life. He just walked away from him. And with my mom, in the last three days of my mom's life, when she passed away a couple years ago now, we think that she stepped into the kingdom as well. It doesn't always turn out that way. But that was 38 years of prayer and process and relationship and appeal to God to move in their lives and they chose to respond. My friends, when you choose to receive Jesus into your life and then you choose to trust and obey and follow him. He changes your life. And that's what we're here to celebrate and remember here this morning. So our worship team's going to come and we're going to respond in music worship. And as they do, our Sarah is going to be standing right over there. Maybe you came today with no intention of getting baptized, but you realize, I love Jesus and I've never gotten baptized. We want to baptize you today. You go talk to Sarah as we sing these next two songs and we'll get you in there. But we're going to celebrate the fact, the reality that Jesus changes lives. And we're going to get to celebrate those baptisms here in just a little while. So let's, let's worship together. Well, we do have the privilege of having a couple, a couple baptisms here this morning. And uh, the first person that we would like to introduce you to is is Kathleen. And we're going to watch Kathleen's video now. This is her story. My name is Kathleen. I am wanting to be baptized here at Grace Community Church. It's taken me a long time to get here. I grew up Baptist and Lutheran. I was baptized in the Lutheran Church at 10. I went all the way through the Lutheran Church. I turned Catholic. I was Catholic for 23 years, and I could not find what I had in the Lutheran Church in the Catholic Church. And somehow I just got discouraged with organized religion. And 
I went to Unity Church for a while. I kept going back to Unity Church. Then, by the grace of God, I'm a massage therapist, and I asked God, put those people in my life that are going to benefit from my work. And he graced me with Christians. I just kept getting Christians. And I got to watch how they managed their lives, how happy they were, how they help one another. They're always there for each other. No matter what difficulties they seem to incur, they rose above that. I asked a pastor's wife where to go to church, and she recommended Grace Community. And when I came into this church, I felt embraced. I felt loved. I listened to every word during the sermons with Pastor Jay and all of the pastors. And I felt like they were talking to me. Then I decided I wanted to talk to Pastor Jay because I had been living all my life with guilt and shame and trauma and depression. And by the time I got in to see Dr. J, all of that had left me from going to church every Sunday, participating in a Bible study. And when I spoke with Pastor J, I said, do I need to get baptized again? I got baptized at 10 in the, in the Lutheran church. And he said, well, what was that experience? What did you learn from that? I said, well, all I knew is that I was 10 and I knew the difference between right and wrong. I said, could I get baptized again? I am looking forward to being baptized and really feel that I've done everything I can to show how much I love Jesus, that I'm not afraid to tell people that Jesus is my Savior. beautiful story Kathleen that that is your story and by the way you gave me a promotion in there you called me doctor thank you I, it doesn't happen every day I appreciate that but even more importantly something that you may not know and I hope I have permission to share this I'll be in trouble if not but um, Kathleen is about to move back east and she said before I move I love this church and I want to be baptized at this church in this community because of what God has done in me through through this church and through your spiritual journey here. So Kathleen, it is it is a joy to hear your story, to hear and see your love for the Lord, and to get to Thank baptize you. you now. Thank you. This way. Okay. I almost do it this way. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> That's a camera. Guess I'm a rookie here. Here we go. <laughs> Well, because of your statement of faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and in obedience to His commands, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. All right! And now this is Craig's story. My name's Craig Carnes, and uh, I've come to Grace off and on 
and uh, I don't go very often because I have pain issues and morning's the worst time of day but um, I'm trying to work through that and I come from a normal background I went in the service became a heavy drinker doing everything my own way got out of service got married got involved in the occult and uh, kind of lost my faith and then I got married again and uh, still no faith and then I met the Vossers and they set an example they walked the talk and then I went and visited my stepmom and my stepbrother asked me to go to Bible study with them and I did and I really enjoyed it and uh, that's kind of how I got started but Jesus smacked me in the forehead and took my health from me so that I would come back and I have a lot of health issues but we don't need to talk about that and the reason why I want to get baptized is because I want to show that I want him in control of my life and that I'm his and I want to show the world that I'm a follower of Jesus. Craig and I were neighbors, and he's an example of where we had 99 conversations about Jesus that led up to that one conversation where he said yes. And it is an honor and privilege to be here and be part of this and to testify with Craig his, his acceptance of Jesus. Craig, do you profess to be a follower of Jesus? Yes. And you've chosen to be baptized today? Yes. Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> Okay. There you go. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we baptize you, Craig. Would you stand with me as we prepare to go from here? So, following Jesus, loving Him... Is truly about not just adding him to your life, but making him your life, living life on his terms. And he pursues us with his love and his grace and the hope that he promises to give each one of us, and it's ours to have. And you've heard just a couple stories of how these lives have been changed through knowing, knowing Jesus. So I'd like to pray his blessing over us that for those of us who know Jesus, we would go out these doors and live for him. And love others like He has first loved us. And for some of you in your spiritual journey who maybe aren't quite there yet, I just want to pray that you would continue to wrestle and ask questions and be open 
to, to God's work in your life. So let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the time of celebration that we've had, for the time to seek you through your word, through worship. And Lord, we celebrate the stories of Craig and Kathleen with how you've transformed and changed them. And Lord, we are thankful for the hope and joy and purpose you give each one of us. And so Lord, for those here who are still wrestling and struggling and asking questions, would they continue to do so? Would they test the truth of God by trusting the Word of God? And Lord, for those of us who do know and love you as we go from here, would we remember who we are and who you are? And what you have done in our lives. And would we live out the power of your Holy Spirit by trusting and obeying you. And then loving others the way you have first loved us. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your faithfulness to us. We love you. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. So go and live for him. And we hope to see you next Sunday. Thank you for joining us for Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church here in Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net.